2: Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Efrat Ravid, CMO at Quantum Metric, a pioneer in continuous product design, helping business and technology teams align faster on customer needs and prioritize the opportunities that will drive the most value. In this episode, Efrat takes us on a deep dive into QuantumMetric's continuous product design approach the endless benefits of hearing directly from your customers, and the importance of data accessibility across entire teams. Effort also shares with us how Quantum Metric provides opportunities for their customers to release with confidence and warns all CMOs to stay away from marketing campaigns that don't work for your customers. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at Qualified.com.
2: So please enjoy this interview between Efrat Ravid, CMO at Quantum Metric, and your host, Ian Faison.
1: Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. Efrat, how are you?
0: Very good. Thank you so much for
1: having me. Thanks so much for joining. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat marketing. Excited to chat about everything that is going on in the world of quantum metric. And of course, you know, a little bit about your background. And today's show is always brought to you by Qualified. Our friends at Qualified.com are the best. Qualified is the number one conversational sales and marketing platform for companies, revenues, teams that use Salesforce, Head over to qualify.com to learn more. First question, Efrat, what was your first job in marketing?
0: I I found myself in marketing really by chance. I am a software engineer, very technical, spend a lot of time with robotics and manufacturing. And I was head of a product and the product created 400,000 leads. And the CEO came to me and said, what do I do with this 400,000 leads? You created the problem, so solve it. So this is how I found myself dealing with leads, scoring, um, distribution, and all the fun things about marketing.
1: And flash forward to today, you've been a head of marketing, a CMO multiple times over, and now you're the CMO of Quantum Metric. Tell me a little bit about what it means to be CMO there.
0: Quantum Metric is just a wonderful place to be. Being a CMO, it means to be the heart, in my opinion. This is why I love marketing, by the way. I did almost every position in the organization, technical, sales, operation, and I chose to be in marketing. And to be a CMO, especially in Quantum Metric, where passion, persistence, and integrity is what keep us alive as a company, is to deal with what I love the most. Working with customers, working with our sales team, delivering the product messaging to our customer, working with the customer success to highlight our customers and how successful they are. So really being in the center with all the things all together.
1: I love it. Marketing is the heart. That's awesome. All right, let's get to our first segment. That's the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? The trust tree is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest pipeline secrets. Ephra, what does your company do?
0: The company is, I would call it the next generation of digital analytics, which means how many times you went to a website, let's say to buy a flight ticket and it didn't work, and you're so frustrated. So what do you do? You leave the site. So we have this big enterprise that have so much complexity on, the, on their digital assets, if it's mobile or kiosk or the website, to really understand what doesn't work or what is the opportunity, how much it actually costs them. Because if there is one small issue that only 000 percent look at it, who cares? But if it's impact $1 million a week, then you care. So we tell them how much it costs, what's the source of this issue, and get real insight of um, the website and um, their digital experience.
1: And tell us a little bit about more about the company with who are your customers, who are you selling to, what does that buying committee look like?
0: We, we are selling for big enterprise, so airlines and big retailers, uh, financial service, um, telcos, and companies like Lululemon, which is one of my favorite brands, and our customer and the bank committee is very interesting, especially when you sell to big enterprise that auto that touches so many things. Our secret in the product is it actually touch from the head of digital and e-commerce to IT, to marketing people, to product people. So they don't need to use different type of analytics, only one type of analytics. So when it touch so many people, it actually creates a complexity when you buy. Everyone wants to provide an opinion. So usually the main persona is a chief digital officer or, or chief data officer, the CDO. But this person usually by the, their title, they like to create consensus. So you need to talk to the IT people and you need to talk to the product people and to the user experience people and to the marketing people in each time in their own language, which is, can be different languages.
1: Yeah, it it it's such a fluid landscape selling to to that persona, that digital officer, that data officer. Sometimes it lives in IT. Sometimes it lives outside of IT. Sometimes you know it lives within the you know chief product officer's organization. It's so fluid uh, mm-hmm. with you know how people look at that stuff. And then also, who owns you know web properties and things like that? Anyways, is complex and a lot of different mouths to feed, which is also part of it too.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's really interesting because it's also after COVID. I think if before COVID, they had their own respect after COVID, they become the most important people in the organization. One of our customers told us that before COVID... The the in executive meetings they would ask uh, it's for the retailer. Okay, retailer, how is the stores and the head of stores would talk and how is the financial and the, the the design the creative. And last, like five minutes in the end, it's like, okay, how are we doing digitally? And now they, he was back then VP of digital. Now he's chief digital officer. And he's like the first one to talk in the executive. And of course, the digital growing like crazy, which helped our company as well, of course. But we we can see that their title and their importance in the organization completely changed.
1: Yeah. And, and who owns digital, you know, customer journeys is is like different in every organization. Like, is it the chief customer officer? Are they responsible for those things? Like, it seems so, so crazy that there's not someone who, you know, owns that in every single organization, but being, you know, being able to figure out how different people like interact with you and and what, you know, what route they choose and how they want to go through it. And, and what is the preferred way? And like you said, those little hidden secrets, that that happen all over the place. Like, is this important? Is this not important? Like we we none of it happens without having tons of data and, and it's it's crazy selling into that because there's so many different people who are who are buying it looking for the same sort of outcomes.
0: Yeah. One of the things I love the most is our user conference. Once a year, this year it was in Austin. And the reason for that is that you would expect one type of person coming to your organization right one type of persona but because we are selling to so many people and because as you said the owner of the digital in different industry is actually different you get this variety like from airlines you get the people that responsible for the digital sometimes they are much more technical, compared to the retailers, that the people that are responsible for the digital are much more in the creative and the marketing. And it's really interesting to see they're all coming to one conference, all in one real reason, how I improve my customer journey and experience, but they're all coming from such different experience. And they are not like, if I go to an IT conference or to a security conference, that the persona look kind of the same. Here, it's like the variety is just amazing to me.
1: That is fun, yeah. So how do you how do you structure your marketing team and your org to to go acquire those accounts?
0: I think I, we structure a very classic way. We have the head of digital and operations, so she owns all the the data and the operation and uh, uh, and even the budget. Like she helps me with with the budget and really understands the, the pipeline and the numbers. And then we are doing a lot of events, like we call it experience. And the experience, we do webinars and and virtual, but we also do face-to-face when you sell to enterprise and you need to close these enterprise deals, you do need to meet the people where they are. And we do some small field events and we we participate in big trade shows like the Money 2020 and uh, and, um, Shop Talk and so on and so forth. So I have the head of experience and, and then I have partnership, which is super important because we believe in ecosystem, and product marketing, which is kind of the brain and the messaging.
1: Yeah, and how, how do you think about you know your marketing strategy? Where does where does demand fit within that?
0: So how do I think about demand and pipeline? This is how I measure marketing. So measure marketing, in my opinion, measured by three things. One is pipeline and new pipeline. Secondly, the, the brand and we, how many RFPs when RFQs we participate, how the website, um, uh, the, our followers in social media and so on. And the third one is customer marketing. Customer marketing is a little harder to measure, but it's still an effort that is super important to us. When I look at pipeline, since our sales cycle is a little longer and it's also it's not only enough to talk to let's say I find the CDO, I, I I have the messaging for them, it's not enough. I need, as I mentioned before, to really discuss with the entire ecosystem and bring the marketing and the IT and all the people that might say yes or nay to our product. And sometimes our sales team talk to them, and sometimes, many times the sales team don't know they exist. And in the marketing, my job is really to make sure that we are talking to as many people as possible. And this is why even after the opportunity created, because we know as many people are educated about what we do and how we can add value, we are more likely to engage with this customer or to win this customer in their sales language.
1: <laughs> Any other thoughts on, on marketing strategy?
0: So the marketing strategy to me is very simple. It's really finding the customer, whoever they are, and work with them on the language and on the problems they have today. So my job is not to sell them quantum metric. This is why I have the most talented sales team behind me. My job is to find what is the challenge they have right now and to engage with them with the language they need or with the answers they need for that. So for example, when there was a crisis with financial services and everyone were a little panicking about what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, we had one of the most expert, Scott Finder, who was the CDO of First Bank with us interviewing him about how can we communicate as a FSI or as a banker, how can we, or digital banking, how can you imp, um, communicate to the team or to your customers or to the world about what's going on? Right? So it's this is where they're worried right now. They're not worried about how they improve the digital experience. They're worried about if something happened, how to communicate. So I will bring the expert. To, to talk about that. When retailer economy are going down and they care about efficiency, I'm not going to talk to them about digital conversion. I'm going to talk to them about how to make their life more efficient, how to do more with less, how to 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 bring to prioritize better, right? Because if they are in under pressure to have less people doing more, the most important thing is prioritization. We cannot spend their 24 24 hours a day. So it's all about prioritization. So it's really finding the customer wherever they are and talk to them in the language they can approach. I also love our customers. I don't I, know. I, uh, we have really, really amazing relationship. And I don't know if it's a strategy or tactic or how to call it, but it's what we do. It's that we bring them to every part of our marketing I call it a tasks or missions or whatever we do. We bring customers. If it's user conference, we bring, of course, customers to speak. They don't come to hear us. They come to hear themselves. If I have a, a webinar, I want—I I don't mind the product to show a product demo, but. I want to show actually our customer, how they demo what we do. If we have a campaign, I all, like even in a trade show, I love my trade show. It, I have the pink, the most pink, the biggest, everything is big and shiny, but everything there is around our customers. So I always like to, to show our customer in everything we do. And they love to, to be part of it because we have this kind of relationship.
1: I love that. That's awesome, and it's and it's so you know that's like the modern marketing. It's a necessity, right? Is like featuring those customers and 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 getting their stories out there as much as you can. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell me about continuous product design? Because it's one of the things that you know, like I didn't necessarily know before this interview, and how you how you think about it from a marketing perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when the CEO and I, and when I joined about over four years ago. We were really talking more to i t people, and we were trying to really understand what's the right message to the market and and he kind of said, "Go and figure it out i I don't know what the i mean i do, I looked at the product I've been in the industry for some time, but I really don't know so I did what every I think marketer would do ask the customers so we bought our like our studios from all around, like 10 CDOs, we put them in a very fancy hotel. We give them really good drinks and food. And then we said, okay, now we are working. And we asked them very simple questions. The first question was, why you bought the product? Like, what's the value? Why, why did you buy the quantum metric? And they all said what we told them, like our sales pitch. And we said, ah, our sales pitch is exactly, we have the right person, why we need to change. <laughs> and then we them, asked them a different question and we asked them, what's the value the, the the product actually bring you? Like if you it, forget about what we tell you, what you... And the words they use was com, were completely different. They were talking about releasing with confidence. So every time you have an update on your website, you need to release. And think about your airline, like United Airlines, and you need to release. You can break so many things, right? Or think about your a bank, like US Bank. and. People can stop, withdraw money because of a mistake you make. And it can have a real impact. So releasing with confidence was amazing value. Another thing they, they mentioned is being able to test and try again and again and not be afraid of that. So all the thing about continuous improvement, because you cannot a website is something very dynamic. It's not something you fix and go you fix and you change. And there is another campaign. And if you are, there is another, if you are a telco, there is another phone and another thing that you, you are launching and another product. And there is a peak level if you are a retailer during Christmas and things a given time and the Black Friday. And there is always things that happen. And there is a new technology that coming. And, and you need to be able to continuous improvement. And not only that, if only one person in the organization have access to data, this is the worst thing that can happen to an organization. If you have a very small analytics team and only mm-hmm. they can answer the business question, what happened is that you asked them once and they said, no problem, in three weeks I will give you a response. So you ask them twice, in the same time you just start guessing and it happens more than you think. More than you think in organization most people don't have access to data because it's complicated, because it's, it, it, you need to be trained, because they are afraid of the data. So the continuous product design, is the idea is that everyone has access to data and you're all bringing them in when they need it. The data is very simple. It's exactly what the customer is doing right now and where they struggle and what's the opportunity to improve their customer journey.
1: So you have a product on your website under resources that's this continuous product design certification. And, you know, you have an assessment, which is like how fast your digital org, and you have this, this certification process. How do you think about that from a marketing perspective?
0: I, I won't tell you this is marketing, but this is marketing, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, this is plain marketing. You want to sell a product, but you want people to understand why you exist, what is your purpose? And when we talk about our purpose, our purpose is not to sell more software. Our purpose is to make sure that the entire organization are aligned about what is really important, their customer. And if I can certify not only the chief digital officers that this is why they exist, because why is there data or digital or data officer? Because they understand that everyone has access to data. They need to train their product team and they need to train their marketing team and their apps team. And this is kind of one language they can all speak and understand how they continuously improve the product. And to us, of course, our website is a product, right? It makes sense. But I cannot tell you how many arguments we had internally and externally, because in some industries, they look at the website or at their app as a channel, or they look at it as a website, but they don't understand that it's actually a product that you need to keep improving. And and this is kind of what is continuous product design says that your digital asset is the most important product you have. It's you. You should actually continuously improve it. So the certification is at bringing alignment of teams. I have customers that have hundreds of people certified on the continuous product design, and I know that they will not launch. And I cannot mention the name of the customer, but they will make. They cannot launch another. Idiotization systems that the world need because of COVID, for example, without this alignment with the teams that they call continuous product design. So they actually certify the entire digital organization with that.
1: I just love that. I, I love the approach and I love when people have, when companies have that sort of any type of university or any type of training or any type of thing where they can certify people. Obviously, it always it always helps, but I also love those maturity assessments. I think it's just such a good way to get someone in the, in the door, offer them something for free that teaches them something about their organization. I love that stuff.
0: Thank you. The, the maturity curve was something very interesting to see because there are companies that are really few companies to be too, super honest or even in our customer base are in the Continuous, meaning that they are all aligned, they are all always looking at data, and they all make only decisions by data. I cannot even say about my team that we are there. Actually, it's like going to the moon idea is that you all together one day. And we are all something in between, between I have just on a gut feeling and I have no idea and I don't look at data, compared to I have visibility, but I, I cannot really prioritize and quantify. The quantification is much more important than we think. Because you can see a lot of issues. Most of us actually have much more issues that we can fix, right? And the idea is that how do I know which one to work first? And you can know about it only if you can link it back to the, to the business, right? Yeah. How can I know that this bug is more important than the other bug? Usually because the person that yells more. Like if you can bring it back to the quantification, so some of us do quantification, and then the end, as I mentioned, is a continuous. So the maturity curve is super important to understand where you are and where you need to inspire.
1: Okay, let's get to our next segment, the playbook.
2: This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game.
1: Where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items?
0: It's a really interesting question. I was I took the time to run on it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this question, and I have to admit that I'm not married to any tactical. And I will ex- give you an example. I love events. I love meeting our customers. It's a, something I love the most. And one day, it's called COVID. They shut down. All our events in one day. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's all I'm done. What can I do? I mean yes I believe in the digital assets channel and I do a lot of webinar and I mean but the best leads that like that really closed came from events, came from meeting the customer. So and we were doing the best ever in during COVID, right? And we were we were talking to the customer and actually we got talk to them even in a closer way, because I saw the house and I saw the kids behind them, and I love talking to prospects and having webinars and roundtable ones the kids are going around. So yeah, mm-hmm. actually one of the webinars I bought a, a basketball coach, and they said it's for open for everyone, for your kids, for your family, and it's actually brought us closer. So saying that, events very difficult for us to <laughs> to cut, but with COVID we did. LinkedIn is a great... In general, digital channel is strong, but LinkedIn specifically, because our customers are not less like the Facebook or the TikTok and so on. They are more mature um, uh, individuals and executives. So if, if we find them, we find them there. And the third one, third one sorry, is customer marketing. I'm a huge believer in that, that our customer actually brings their friends. So some of them, we do it like, in a world way and um, um, scoring system, but some of it is just so organic. They just want to share the good and they bring the friends. And sometimes I get a lead and say, this and this send me. I thought, oh, this is great.
1: What are the different ways that you sort of get those customer stories out there?
0: So we are working with really big organizations. The most difficult part of the story is actually getting legal approval. Even not PR approval. It's a legal approval. Once we, and we need to work with them that it's actually not endorsement, but it's actually sharing the customer story. So for example, in our conferences, they are coming. I have a great story about amazing lady in CVS that I met with her in Atlanta. And I asked her, do you mind to come and speak for us? And she said to me, I'm not a public speaker.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I said, me neither. But I really want the people to hear what you did. I really think that your story, forget about the company, forget about the number, how you improve, how you create efficiency. I don't care about that. I want to hear about what you did, how you become a stronger leader. And she had such an amazing story that I... I had people standing in the end of the room and now she feels like such a great and she's like, I'm a public speaker. I said, yes, you are. (laughs) Um, So it's really about telling their story, how they become successful. We have a a great example of a CEO that came to to the US um, from India and um, he he didn't have a lot of education and he started his career. I cannot just say all the names, so I'm trying to say, to say how I'm saying it without mentioning names. But he, he worked in a retailer and used our product. And over time, he finds amazing insight. Um, they promoted him and recently become, he became a CDO. And this is a story that we want him to hear about how he got promoted and less about, you know, yes, you improve. Which was true, too. He proved... Um, the ranking in his um in the app from two star to four and a half star, um, uh, which is amazing. Um, but the real story to me is how he improved his career and become a CDO in such a short time. So both of them are great success, right? It's how to make your app very successful and how to to bring your yourself to, to become a stronger leader.
1: Amazing. That's such a cool story because I think that there's a lot of hesitancy. I mean obviously we 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 do this, you know, all day every day with creating podcast series and for a lot of people that that are not familiar or you know a lot of the guests that we have on the show are not super familiar speakers across, you know, 60 plus shows and thousands of episodes and and it really is crazy because those people who have not done a lot of media have such amazing stories that they've never told and they're usually not a writer so they're not going to just like sit down and Knock out a two thousand word blog post, and so sort of the only way to get those stories out is to do some type of conversation or interview and pull those pull those insights out. Because uh, otherwise, they would never they would never live to see the light of day.
0: They would never, and they don't know how amazing their story are. I actually think that. The people that are public speakers, we hear the story over and over again. And the people that are a little hiding, you know, we need, our job is to really find them and put them on the camera because it's also even more inspiring to all of us because we are like them. We feel the same fear. We we, We have the same struggle. The story is much more raw and doesn't have all the, you know, it doesn't have all the Story above it, it's it's real. It's just a real story.
1: How do you measure success of, of your campaigns and, and channels and, and tactics?
0: I, I don't have any anything exciting to share here. My I have one goal. It's to, to sell more and to, to bring more customers, to enjoy the, the quantum metric product. And the way we do we, we do it is that we measure it by how many people respond to the comp- the campaign how many of them succeed to meet with us or meetings that were impacted by their marketing effort then how many meetings become opportunity meaning pipeline and how much of the pipeline actually close and then over time we also want to to measure velocity how long it take it sounds very simple but it's actually a little more complicated because as i mentioned there is a lot of people in each organization so for each win there are a lot of touches so what if the touches were, like if I, the low touch is a content syndication and all the, just read the, the paper and the more serious touches is they came to event and talked to our customer for 50 minutes. And after you talk to existing customer, we super happy. The deal usually is done.
1: Any other thoughts on, on budget items, on cutables or, or things maybe you're excited about investing in?
0: I'm always happy to invest in everything that uh, creates customer engagement. So for example, we have, we book a suite for the US Open and we are going to bring some amazing customer to watch with us. And so I always bring like 30% customers, 70% prospects uh, to do it. And this is priceless. As I mentioned before, if uh, a customer sits with a prospect there is nothing I need to do. I don't need to bring salespeople there. I don't need to bring anyone there. I just need to bring them to, to sit together and talk about what we do. And as I mentioned to you in the beginning about continuous product design, they describe what we do so much better than what we do. I write messaging. I create PowerPoints, I do case studies. I'm, I'm teaching the story of the customer. And just, mm-hmm. they just say it because they live it every day. So that my only job, it's super simple, just bring prospects and customer to one place and the magic just created by itself.
1: It really does. It's so true. Prospects and customers together is is, is always like well, I shouldn't say always. If you have a great product like you do, then then always it works. Cool. All right, let's get to our next segment. The dust up. Uh uh. Here comes
2: Trevor. There was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly because we have got punches and kicks.
1: Where we're talking about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitor, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career?
0: Of course. <laughs> a lot of them. I'm Israeli, so I'm direct. I mean, I have a yeah. lot of uh, <laughs> memories. So... I think the, the most interesting tension that, that exists is between sales and marketing. And I think it's actually very, very healthy tension. I think without that, it's not interesting to, to wake up in the morning. And uh, one story I, I would love to tell is that there, is, there was a CEO who came from IBM, and he was the head of sales there and he became the CEO of our company. And he came to a room. And he said about this campaign. He looked at this campaign, like, what is this? This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my career. And he was scary. I was like, somebody is going to throw at us. And it was very, very technical company. So of course, I was the only woman there. And I said to him, I I cannot say, mention the name, but what is your background? And he's like, I was the head of sales of IBM. and said, and you hate it. I said, great. This is awesome. I'm selling to mechanical engineers. They freaking love it. So that's <laughs> a story. And you said, okay, we will test it. Uh, we tested it. It was really the best. Thanks God. Otherwise, I wouldn't stay it and probably wouldn't stay, share the story. But uh, it was the best campaign ever that worked for our mechanical engineers. The campaign that was super successful in the U.S. was, for example, one-minute uh, one tip that worked really well in the US, and I'm going to Japan, and they look at me and said to me, this is the most insulting campaign I've ever seen. And I said, why? And they said, I'm studying five years to be a mechanical engineer, and you can tell me that in one minute, you can give me a tip. So what I'm trying to say in this story is that my desktop is that really know your customer.
1: It's Thus, This is the crux of marketing, right? You are not going to please everybody all the time. So you need exactly. to find things that people love and give them that because that's how you stand out. You don't stand out by doing the exact same thing that's super boring for everybody. Let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how... Qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline quickly. Tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly start sales conversations. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Efrat, are you ready? Always. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that is not on your resume? I
0: think so. My hidden talent is I can read a room. I can go to any room. And now I can, I know what's going to happen. I'm just predicting the people there. I have this sixth sense.
1: That's a good one. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show that you've been checking out?
0: I love the um, Happiness Lab. It's one of my favorite ones that I, it's really make me a better person.
1: What advice would you give to a first time CMO who is trying to figure out how to build their pipeline?
0: Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just try new things and don't do what everyone tells you. That will be boring. Just try new things. Be creative.
1: Love it. Well, this has been absolutely awesome talking to you. For our listeners, go to quantummetric.com to learn more. You can check out, they have a bunch of cool stuff, as I was mentioning earlier, about continuous product design and you can get a certification all that stuff so if you're into that you can go do it and you can take an assessment for your digital org. Any final thoughts fraud? any any anything to plug?
0: I really enjoy it. I cannot wait to listen to my, to the next demo you're going to
1: interview.
0: <laughs> I really enjoy it.
1: Thanks so much. We appreciate it and we'll talk soon. Sounds
0: good. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks again to our friends at qualified.com a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.